Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. It is Easter Sunday, at least for about another hour and a half. I am Ron Luce, joined by the one, the only, Mr. Joey Ricotta. I had a lot of ricotta cheese today uh, as a part of the Easter celebration. A little little lasagna, a little homemade lasagna was good. But uh, (laughs) off the subject of the holiday and back onto Cubs baseball, before we get started into this thing, Joey, how you doing, buddy? It's Easter. I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, I'm a little did you, bit. Of... Did you eat a lot of good food today? Oh, a lot of good food. A lot of ham. Didn't didn't have any lasagna, so I'm a little bit jealous that you did get some lasagna. But the ham was good. It's excellent. Uh, some really good potatoes. Uh, my girlfriend made this like vegetable charcuterie, which it's mm. technically not called a charcuterie. I don't know. She's probably like thinking I want to yell at him right now, but I know he's like live streaming from the <laughs> other room. But because uh, she told me the name and I completely forgot. Uh, it was good. The Bulls lost tonight, but they did cover the spread, and that was my pick of the day. So, Ron, I'm doing good, and the Cubs won, and that's that's Cubs did win. the best part of today. So, yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. Doing good, Ron. Good, yeah, man. And uh, for those that keep track of Cubs on Tap, we did a show you and I on Friday night, recapping the first two games of this four game set with the Colorado Rockies. Cubs split the first two games, uh, took the win on Thursday, lost on Friday. Um, and we're kind of back in a similar boat. Cubs split again the next two games, get an overall split over the course of the four-game series. Uh, Saturday's game was weird. Uh, ended in a final score of uh, six to nine. Uh, Rockies winning that one. Nice. But uh, not so nice was the fact that uh, Cubs left a lot of guys back on base again. Only six as a team. Uh, but Willie specifically alone with five. That's certainly tough, uh, especially from a guy that has routinely been your three hitter, but Jonathan VR had a really good game in that one. Um, Suzuki Hayward and wisdom, all multi-hit games in that one as well. Again, they still scored six runs, Joey. Sure. They lost, but like when you score six runs, this offense is fun to watch right now. Like the, I, I keep joking about it on Twitter. Like the small ball Cubs are actually kind of fun to watch because, you know, magical hits a double and then the next batter, Willie pokes one down the right field line and it scores magical. And literally in two pitches, boom, that's a run scored. And I'm like, wow, where has this Cubs team been? Because we said it time and time again, they need a more contact bat. And they have this good balance of power and, and average. They still lean a little heavier average, I think, right now as a team. Uh but dude, again, six six runs even in a loss is still an encouraging sign, if you ask me. Really good offensive weekend just as a whole for the Cubs in this four game series. I actually set the team record, I think, for uh, doubles in a series against the Rockies. Um, so again, Cubs hit, but still get the loss on Saturday. Any quick thoughts from that one? On the Saturday game, the Saturday game was interesting because it's like you know. What really were you expecting from that game with Mark Leiter Jr. starting? And it's not like I thought he was, like, you know, going to be bad. I wasn't expecting him to be he, bad. He, he wasn't that bad until no. the, the fourth inning. <laughs> yeah, that fourth inning, he kind of ran into trouble. Like, like second time through, right? Like, you kind of saw, you know, he, he, got, he was getting some whiffs there. Like, he was getting some whiffs there early on. Uh-huh. I actually thought maybe, and we kind of talked about this before hopping on here, I thought maybe he should have thrown his curveball a little bit more. Because that thing, yes, it's a slow pitch. He throws it like on average at 71 miles per hour. I get it. The uh, vertical break against average. I'm going to get nerdy on you with StatCast. It's minus two. It's not like it's like good compared to average for the vertical break because of how slow he throws it. It looks like it breaks more, but it looked like it was deceptive. It was deceiving them. I think he got a called strike on it and he got a whiff on it, and he only threw it like three times, three or four times. So when you're doing that, it's like, okay, evidently this pitch is kind of throwing them off a little bit. So I would like to see him make some adjustments and maybe come back. Uh, you know, maybe he sticks around this roster. I feel like this is kind of just a spot start situation, but um, we'll see where that goes here. Um, overall thoughts on Saturday. Hey, they, they, they hung around. They, they battled. And like you said, they were banging the ball around the yard. You know, so that's great to see. Um, they didn't give up. 6-9, nice. Uh, nice. you know, so a loss, even in a loss, we can find something nice about it. Always. And, and honestly, just to kind of piggyback on a couple of your, or your points there, lighter junior added to the 40 man. They actually DFA'd both Corey Abbott and Greg Dykeman to make room on the 40 man roster. 
and Leiter Jr. was added to said 40 man. So, yes, obviously they had to do it in order to call him up for that spot start, but mm -hmm. they wouldn't have invested in that in a guy if they didn't believe in what he's got. And I think we saw it over those first three innings. Maybe he's that kind of guy that you can have come out of the pen and give you, you know, especially early in the season where we know starters aren't going to go as deep until they get stretched out. Mm -hmm. And even when they don't get stretched out, maybe you see the Cubs have more games with like their fifth starter where maybe their fifth starter is only going four innings and then they're piggybacking with somebody. All of a sudden now, Leiter Jr. has this potential of being a piggyback guy because he's shown he can go distance and have good stuff over more than just one or, you know, one and a third, one and two third innings. So I think that's a big point. Uh, to take into account, and again, yeah, they they're they're fun. They're slapping the ball around the yard, like they're being competitive. And this team, this team hasn't quit. They really haven't gotten the shit wrecked out of them at any point in the in this series. Like even when they've lost by significant runs, Friday being a good example, they still somehow found a way to like kind of fight their way back into the game. They made bit. it interesting. You, yes. I never, I never feel like with this team, Ron, they're never out of it so far. Right now, I don't. I don't no. feel like they're out of any game. They're never out of any game so far. And that's the thing is like I baseball is baseball. You're going to get your losses, but if you can stick around and at least be competitive within a game, that is an encouraging sign to a team that's going to do good things throughout 162 games, you know, cause you're going to have your highs, you're going to have your lows, but if you're consistently battling and you're at least in the game more often than not, it's going to go in your favor then because you see a lot of these teams just not show up. We saw the Cubs do it for a very long time. When on some days they lost, they just didn't show up. They struck out 17 times as a team and just, you know, maybe got two or three hits and one of them was a home run. Like that's just how the old team would operate on a bad day. Now, a bad day is us sitting here saying, yeah, they lost by three runs in a high scoring yeah. game in Colorado where they came back kind of and, and fought and made it very, very interesting late. That's all I can ask for out of a ball club in that scenario. So agree with you. I think Saturday is a perfect game. We're like, hey, they did some good. They did some bad. We keep it moving. But like you said, on Easter Sunday, we get to talk about a Cubs split and a, uh, a Cubbies victory. Six to four over the Rockies. Uh, Drew Smiley, dude. Look, can we can we please start there? Uh, because please. so far, these first four pitchers that have come through the rotation for the Cubs have been very good. Uh, yes, Stroman ran into trouble yesterday. You brought up a great point about guys that rely heavily on movement struggle in Colorado sometimes because the break isn't there the same way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes being a gas pitcher in Colorado actually benefits you. But so, you know, Stro, Stro has a rough start. So but he's had two overall pretty good starts as a whole as a Cubs so far. Justin Steele has looked very good through his first two games. Kyle Hendricks, we talked about the struggles. He always struggles against Pittsburgh for some stupid-ass reason, but we addressed that already, but still had a great start when we were in attendance for opening day. Drew Smiley has now put together back-to-back -to -back incredible starts, scoreless baseball. Sure, he's not striking guys out in an, an, an alarming clip, only five strikeouts um, through, what, eight and two-third innings now? Hey, I mean, he had four in this last one, though, right? Looked very oh. good today. That's what I was going to get to. It only had one strikeout in Pittsburgh, but in just yeah, right, 11 right. ground ball outs and mm -hmm. was still very effective in five innings of work. Today, just four and two-thirds, but only four hits, no earned or regular runs, only one walk today. Um, I don't think he had any walks against Pittsburgh, so only one walk in eight and two-thirds innings. That's incredible. And like you said, four Ks today. Like He had a little more of the swing and miss stuff, it seemed, in Colorado, at least that first time through the which order, is weird, sure. but yeah, it is weird. Well, I think he and again, I think we've seen it a lot more. He's throwing a lot more of his breaking pitches. He's relying yes. on that on that uh, that curveball a lot more, and it's kind of helping induce that weak contact or weak contact. Excuse me, but sometimes you're going to get swings and misses, especially when guys get aggressive, especially playing somewhere like Colorado. Right, you're going to get aggressive at Coors Field versus, you know. A, 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 heavy, a heavy pitcher's park like Comerica Park, for example, in Detroit. So I think that's something to really, really keep an eye on. But I'm going to turn it over to you because I need sharing the excitement about Drew Smiley for me because this was a guy, he clearly, not only did the Cubs clearly have an impact on him his first time with the organization when he was rehabbing before mm -hmm. ultimately being traded, he wanted to come back and get a shot with this team. 
after winning a World Series with the Braves and performing very well at 29 starts for the for the Atlanta Braves last season, you got to feel really good right now about Drew Smiley being your number four in this Cubs rotation, no? Absolutely. A number four pitcher that is giving us what he's been giving us. I know it's only two starts. Like, I don't want to get super high on Smiley yet because, like, we know that he's capable of, like, he's going to have some clunkers. Like, he will have some clunkers this season. And we're going to look at it and say, hey, he's our four starter or he's our five starter. You know, and if he's our four starter or five starter in this rotation and he's giving you quality innings like he is for the most part, like right now, no runs allowed. Like you, you said it. I mean, and you talked about it's very nice. And you talked about his breaking ball, like his breaking ball. Most of the seasons that he's pitched, he's thrown more like the fastball has been the most pitch that he's thrown yep. gradually over the years, the last few years. He's thrown that curveball just a little bit more, a little bit more here these last few years. This year, it's his most thrown pitch. Like, he's throwing it in each start. He threw it a little bit less, I believe, in this start than he threw in the first start against Pittsburgh. But he still threw it more than any other pitch against uh, the Rockies, uh, That even his four-seamer. Like, it used to be his four-seamer was his most thrown pitch. And you, you talked about the curveball. I think it's paying massive dividends. And, you know, yeah, you're not going to get the same kind of break in Colorado that you get in other ballparks, as they talked about. Even on the marquee broadcast, I saw him talking about it with Marcus Stroman. And I go, hey, the next day they talked about it. I go, hey, we just talked about this. Like, me and you had just talked about this. And then they pulled it up as a graphic. And I'm like, wow. But um, mind-blowing stuff. But, yeah, Ron, I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing from Smiley. You get zeros on the board, man. That's all you can ask for. You can't ask for anything more than that. And zeros on the board in Colorado, I think, is what's even more impressive out of all of that is that's a hard ballpark to not give up any runs in. Again, and this is just a little off topic to bring us back onto our point here, is I think the fact that Ubaldo Jimenez won a Cy Young with the Rockies says a lot about how good he was that season. Sure, maybe he didn't have the overall career that everybody thought he was going to have, but that one magical run year in Colorado when they made it all the way to the World Series, that just shows how elite he was for them because he was able to have Cy Young quality numbers in Colorado where guys typically struggled in terms of break and things like that. So all in all, though, again. Dude, I've got a funny – so you want to you hear something real fast? I, like I tweeted this out the other day. Just You just brought it to my attention with this Ebaldo Jimenez thing. I tweeted this out the other day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this stat real fast because I feel like it's – Something that the listeners would be like, wow, really? Ubaldo Jimenez is their all-time leader for the Rockies in F4, which is Fangraph's war. 18.7 Fangraph's war. If Kyle Hendricks had played for the Rockies, he would be their all-time leader in F4 for pitchers, 22.3. Hendricks' career ERA, of course, 3.64. Jimenez's 3.66 career ERA with the Rockies. Hendricks is 20th all-time in F4 for the Cubs. So that just goes to show you that they have not had – and I know their history is like it's not as long as the Cubs, so take that with a grain of salt. But I don't know. You you had mentioned Ebaldo Jimenez, and I'm like, I got to pull this thing up because it just – I was doing research during the game. It's incredible to me. Yeah, like he's he's the only pitcher that found success, like legit hardcore success in Colorado over the span of a career. And and that – it's hard. It's hard to pitch in Colorado because you don't get the same break on your ball. It's an mm-hmm. offensive ballpark. You know, that's just Colorado's always had heavy offensive presence versus pitching because they have to live that way being in Denver. He So he had such a, I don't know, like, uh, I'm sure you remember him, Ron, like his delivery was so funny. It was almost like that kind of like was that he used like to pick high, up like over the top yeah like a yeah. windmill type of delivery for ubaldo it was real it was actually really cool to see but it was like how is he doing this right. but that, that's enough of ubaldo i'm sorry for <laughs> we're diving we're diving into ubaldo jimenez on, on a late <laughs> sunday night here on cubs on tap but no like seriously dude i i think that that just speaks volumes uh to the type of weekend uh really in in first two starts uh for smiley but um, in, in Sunday's game, two runs given up by both Efros and Rucker. 
uh, even though he is credited with one of the holds in this game. Givens gets the other one. Rowan Wickett gets the W ultimately. David Robinson already three saves for the Cubs uh, in this early season, certainly proving dividends uh, at the back end of that bullpen. But Joey, a guy that we've been excited to talk about, he only he was technically only one for three today, but a home run, two walks. This guy's got video game numbers through nine games so far. Seiya Suzuki is oh, baby that we have hoped for as Cubs fans. Already slashing at an unbelievable clip. And you and I talked about it. So right now he's slashing. Uh, I'm going to pull up the exact numbers so nobody at home yells at me. But uh, off the top of my head, 400, here we go, 400, 543, uh, which is ultimately good for a 1503 OPS. Obviously, that's not going to persist over the course of a season. We totally understand that. But even if his numbers regressed at 110, 120 per each category in that slash line. He's still slashing like 280, 420, 840. I mean, dude, it's incredible. Like, you can't That's even really good. <laughs> These are video game numbers. And yes, it's early in the season. And yes, we shouldn't get. Fuck it, he's the greatest player of all time. Right. He's the greatest player of all time. Like, oh, you're like just, you're just giving in. Are you just giving in, Joey? Yeah, I'm just giving in. Dude, he's got dude, we both have placed MVP bets on this man. It's true. We we both I just, have placed, I just did tonight. I just placed mine tonight. I, I I just I can't, man. What what is it? A 284 WRC plus right now? That's 184%. Just for the listeners, I know you know this, Ron. Stupid. 184% better than league average. Stupid numbers. For context, for those that ask, uh, Castellanos in that half-season run with the Cubs, I believe had a one, I think it was like a 184 WRC+. plus. So he was 100% better than Nicholas Castellanos. <laughs> Which, Think about it in that sample. context. Think about it in that context. Yes. No wild, nonetheless. And what, an eight-game hitting streak to start his career? Because I, I'll correct this. Old, I saw that. Area. I like that little look, that the little research yeah. you did after we talked about it on Friday. I'm glad. I had to. Expand on it. Expand on it. Absolutely. Because, like, dude, I, I'm, I think we're all, like, kind of our biggest critics at the end of the day. And I will say this. I was wrong because I thought that a plate appearance was – uh, would count against someone's hitting streak. He walked in that game as an intentional walk. And by the way, he got another intentional walk. I think you saw that, Ron. He did. Uh, he got one today. They wanted no part of it. Jan Gomes made him pay. Teams are respecting this man already. Uh, but I'll just say I thought a plate appearance counted as an official, not an official at bat, but I knew it didn't count. I thought it counted towards a hitting streak. Uh, it turns out an official at bat is what counts against a hitting streak. So, the hitting streak is still alive, my friend. I believe it's at eight games now. Let's freaking go. We are riding this to the moon, really, Ron. Like, if he, if he, uh, I don't know when this is going to slow down because his plate discipline, his approach, everything about it, the Apo tacos are coming. The Apo uh, tacos. And just like Tyler says, just to add to what you said, you know, we kind of addressed it. Can he hold up these numbers? Probably not. They regress at some point, but like, how far does he regress? Because even if you, again, at a 120 clip in each statistical category, if he regressed, he's still at 280, you know, 423, 840 guy. Yeah. And that's still stupid video game numbers. Like, that's if he, he regresses that much. And, and the slug might suffer the most, but even if he still slugs 820, Still stupid. Again, Dude. still video game. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of that is his impressive discipline at the plate. And, you know, here it is. 40 swings this year. This was the stat. I saw this. Four homers, two doubles, four singles. The highest total basis to swing ratio in baseball right now. Just like, feed it to us, Tyler. Tyler, thank you for that comment. Yeah. Like oh, says, say a freaking freaking Suzuki. Suzuki. This guy's getting people excited about Chicago baseball. You and I kind of briefly touched on it. Just bullshit before we got on the show is. He's only making $17 million a year. Again, regression is going to come. But if you look around the rest of the league and guys that are making $17 million a year for multiple seasons, he's the only one that you could kind of sit back right now and be like, 
that's probably the biggest value contract at that number. 100%. 100%. He is outdoing his contract by the game right yes. now. By the game. He is outdoing his contract every single – no, I take that back. By the plate appearance. He is by outdoing – Seriously. When you no, walk – You're not wrong. You're not wrong. When you walk at the rate that he's walking at and putting in such a good at-bat every time like he is, I mean, this guy – Ron, we t- like you said, we talked about this. If he continues a little bit of regression, obviously it's coming. <laughs> like, let's not go over the top. Regression is coming, people. Like, let's it's just coming. prepare. At some point, it's coming. Yeah, we'll prepare for the regression. But if he produces like the rate that he's showing he's capable of uh, over the course of the season with this play discipline, this is a thirty-plus million-dollar player a year. Or at least 25. There's no freaking way. At least, at least 25. At yeah. least 25. And it's it's not even close. Like you were getting him at an $8 million bargain minimum. Yeah. And $8 million a year can land you a couple of very meaningful players that can really, you know, dictate how a season goes. Again, it just goes to show that the, the Cubs sold what Chicago and being a Cub is. And that that helps. You know, and it's it's worth the the you know the twenty million or twenty five million or fifteen million, whatever it was that they paid, um, in terms of just the transfer fee. But mm. he's worth every single penny of it. The guys, the guy's a professional hitter. We've said it. Juice has said it with us. Joe said it with us. He's a professional hitter already because he is so many years into his playing career. He's twenty seven. We say already, quote unquote. But again, you got to remember how early they start in Japan. These guys are playing. Yeah. You know. At the at their quote unquote major league level, like seventeen, so you know he's twenty seven. He's prime age, and he's a grown ass man. And look at today's home run. He just takes that thing, flicks the wrists, takes what he's given. That's what's so impressive. He takes what he's given. He just pokes that thing out to right field. Yep, and it gets enough steam to just clear the wall. And sure, you might be like, "Oh, it's a cheap home run." What's more impressive is he knew what to do with that pitch. Worst case scenario, that's off the wall and it's a yeah, double. It's a double if that like yeah, who cares if it's scenario. Like who cares if it's a cheap home run in Coors right. Field and like that's actually a pretty big ballpark, but like it cheap is. home run over there, okay, fine. I get it. But like he did what he was supposed to do with yeah. that pitch. And like and, you said, that's all you can ask. And I love yeah. what like Joe Maris said on this podcast when we were like a couple episodes ago. Um, every at bat that he gives, dude, is must see TV. You're not on your yes. phone, but 100 spot on with that guy. Yes, you're watching. He's he's a player worth watching right now. I'm already daydreaming. 27th is my birthday, so I'm already daydreaming daydreaming about what a 27 jersey looks like in my closet. Um, I almost bought one opening weekend when we were down there. At the if game. I would have saw one, Ron, I would have. I didn't they see one. I was not smart. I saw one, and it really made me want one really bad. Because, again, this guy just he feels like he's going to be a part of the present and a part of the future when this team continues to be competitive going forward. And he seems like a guy right now that as long as he continues to age and that bat discipline and, and strike zone discipline continues to exist in his game, he's a guy that you can still justify paying good money to even more than he's making now potentially at 32 years old because i think that bat can age well and if the dh continues to be solid who's to say this guy can't be a late career dh all the time and still just be a professional hitter ron's already shouting like the extensea ron's already saying extensea Yeah. yeah right the, the argument's already being made to extend Willie, and i'm already telling people four years early to extend say but hey again it's sure it's early but it's it's nice as a Cubs fan when I think all of us kind of had this expectation that we might be going into the season not excited about a whole lot. He's something that we can get very excited about, I think, right now as Cubs fans. And it's it's fun. He's fun to watch. Again, Joe, like you said, Joe encompassed it perfectly. He is must-see TV every time he's up to bat. Definitely, man. I can't add much more than that. I mean, honestly, it's like when you watch this Cubs team, we were just – maybe we are just kind of like we want something to get excited about we want something to cheer for we desperately want the cubs to be a contender every year we want them to win the world series every year we are the ultimate optimists as cubs fans like cubs fans that's just how we are that's how we're born that's how we're bred that's how we've 
uh, we've always known. When we operate, yeah. Yeah, we always know this op- this ultimate optimism thing. And like the thing is, yes, are we being a little bit optimistic with, you know, he's going to be the MVP? He's going to he's the greatest player of all time. Of course, of course we are. But like at the end of the day, when you see what he's been able to do just in this short amount of time, when everybody, literally everybody, has said this guy is going to be. It's going to take a minute to, for him to get accustomed to things. It's going to take a minute for him to, you know, get acclimated here in the United States. And then it hasn't like, it's just really impressive, man. And he's somebody that Cubs fans can just latch, latch onto. Like he is right now, not only is he the best player on the Cubs, if he continues this just like he is, or like somewhat continues yeah. it, but he's a guy that I was actually listening to somebody else and i would love to give credit for this might have been on the radio but i was listening to somebody else talk about comparing the numbers of of chris bryant and uh say suzuki at the end of the year and i do desperately want to do that exercise now at the end of the year with chris bryant say suzuki and i'm not saying that say is going to finish with a better year than chris bryant because he's in Coors field too but you're saying he's gonna finish with the betting. I'm just saying at his price, if he finishes with a better year than Saya or with a better year than Chris Bryant, do we really miss Chris Bryant? And it's not just him, it's also like you also lost a couple other guys. I'm not just saying I'm not singling him out necessarily, but what do we like Chris Bryant for? And Anthony Rizzo. We liked them because they were high on base guys. And they did have a pretty solid approach. Like, yes, Chris do Bryant. Have, do they have the same knowledge of the strike zone though that Seiya Suzuki has? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know, man. This guy is so advanced. I don't know. I don't know if they have the same knowledge of the strike zone or the discipline to lay off like Seiya does to this point. And he's going to see some shit. He's going to see some stuff over these next few months. But right now it looks good, man. It looks really good, man, and and it's it's a high that we're going to continue to ride as Cubs fans because he is just so much fun to watch. But again, Willie got a home run today. Good to see, even though we mentioned kind of struggled again. Five guys left on by him alone today. Nick Madrigal, I think, encouraging a three-hit game today. Three hits, two runs scored in five at-bats for Nicky, two strikes. So that's always good to see. Um, and again, Jan Gomes. Uh, a guy that's going to fill in as a catcher currently batting 385 obviously in limited work but two for five today with it with an rbi you can't be mad about that from a second catcher where again now with the dh you can have willie's bat in the lineup every day and still give his legs a break and i think that's going to be huge and and be a reason that the cubs might have a different stance come end of season or even mid-season on what to do with with willie Contreras, right like if he was a guy that you're still looking and going, eh, we either have to pay this guy as a catcher full-time or not. Maybe that changes now because of the DH. And and maybe because you you want more guys that have positional versatility, maybe you start saying, Wilson Contreras play first base and left field every once in a while just to conserve those knees, still keep the bat in the lineup, and still allow another bat to be in the lineup at the DH position. But, um, Joey, I, I have no more thoughts about the game. I'm Again, we're just excited to be talking about a win here on Sunday, a split. Um, but there's more games to come ahead and, and we will get to those here in a second, but I want to give you uh, a moment to share any final thoughts about the final two games in Colorado, the series as a whole, whatever you're feeling. Well, Hey man, it's great to get a win here in this last game of the series, Easter Sunday, you come out with a split. There are worse things than to come out with a split, uh, at Coors field, like it, coming out with a split, you kind of feel like you did pretty well, even though. Colorado, like coming into the season, people weren't looking at Colorado as a really good team or anything like that. And it's still like you can be skeptical about them. They're pitching and all that. You can still, still six and three. They're six and three. They still have a good, great start. Like that's still a great start. And they played teams. Like they played the Dodgers. Yep. You know, they've had they've had some opponents. So it's not like they're just it's been a cakewalk up until the Cubs. Um, they've got some players, obviously CJ Crone, you've got uh Connor Joe. KB, we know him very well. So they've got hitters in that lineup, and they will make you pay, whether it's cores or not. Um, they, they've got some guys. But uh, with that said, like you talked about Contreras, I guess that's kind of my final, final thought, is I love what I see from him at the plate. And we talked about this in the last episode. I think he could be in for the biggest season of his career at the plate. 
And I think he is locked in at the plate. The problem is, is I think when he gets guys on base, and this is 100% theory right now, is I think he is, because he's in the final year, right? I think he's putting himself, final year of the contract, I think he's putting himself under a little bit of pressure when there's guys on base, and maybe potentially that's causing him to have some issues as far as leaving guys on, grounding into double plays, all that sort of thing. But he is locked in. Like when there's nobody on base or when it's like guy on first base, Willie is like he's kind of on it right now. Like he is yeah. – I mean the home run today kind of solidified that, but he was hitting the ball hard mm-hmm. um, in Pittsburgh as well. Like he, he had a pretty good series. So um, other than Saturday wasn't really – I think he was 0 for 4 on Saturday I believe. Um, but no, man, Willie, that's just kind of my final thoughts is just like – if I could talk to Contreras, just, hey, settle down. You don't need to be, like, you're locked in right now. You know you are. Don't you know try to do everything. more than you can do. Like, you can you can easily hit a double here. You can hit a home run here if you square it up. Yep. Just see the ball, hit the ball. Don't don't worry about who is on me. Yeah, see ball, hit ball. You do that, boo-boo, and all the good things will come with it. Uh, and our, our buddy Scott Crawford, Scott from Iowa here. Fun fact, every team the Cubs have played this year is at 500 over. So, again – Reaffirms our point. Yeah, the the Rockies <laughs> aren't some slapdick team that the Cubs are playing this early in the season, um, and vice versa. Like this is this is a good a good matchup between two really good teams that at least again early on look good, showing good signs. Uh, I will say the only benefit that I had of the weekend of CJ Crone was uh, that helps the fantasy team. So um, I, I felt similarly I about that. I felt similarly about Connor Joe. If we're being honest, yeah. It happens. It happens. You get those every once in a while. We're like, ooh, well, at least it's your silver lining, really, when the Cubs get their shit kicked in, is when you have a guy on the other team that's a fantasy player yeah. who does well. So, uh, but it is what it is. Nonetheless, we will go ahead and look forward. Cubs split with the Rockies, but they have the Tampa Bay Rays coming up for a three game set. Uh, back in Chicago, all these games at Wrigley Field, all 640 starts between uh, Monday and Wednesday. And then now uh, they, they welcome the Pirates to Wrigley for a four game set then over the weekend. We'll look to that series after Tampa's, but just mentioning that a seven game homestand coming up now for the Cubs before an off day a week from Monday, uh, as they then venture out to play the defending world series champion Atlanta Braves down in the ATL. So, uh, looking at that race series, Joey pitching matchups currently are listed as follows. We have Kyle Hendricks against Shane McClanahan, on Monday, uh, the Rays coming into this one five and five after being uh, defeated in the series uh, by the White Sox on the other side of town. Uh, Rays got the win today on Sunday, but lost two of three to the White Sox. Tampa still TBD for their pitcher on Tuesday, but it will be Justin Steele rocking a 193 ERA. That's cool and tough uh, going into his start then. And then it will be the Stroh show on Wednesday taking on Rasmussen uh, for Tampa Bay, who has been one of their kind of. I guess guys that people are kind of hyped about a little bit this year, I actually just dropped them from a fantasy team because I was underwhelmed to start the year, but I needed a different pitcher. and We won't get into all that mess, but nonetheless, Joey thoughts for the series coming up against Tampa. Again, a very good team. They are 500 to start the season. Uh, just coming off a, a series loss to the white Sox on the other side of town. What are your thoughts going in for the Cubs? And they throw their three top pitchers in this series against a really good race team. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, I mean, like, get wins. <laughs> Easier said than done. I mean, I know, like, that's kind of like get some dubs. <laughs> just get dubs. Just get dubs. McClanahan's very, very interesting to me. I, I really like his stuff. Good pitcher. Very good pitcher. I think he's going to have a hell of a year. Uh, last year, his batted ball metrics were not as good, like hard hit rate, exit velocities, all that were not as good last season. So far this year, so far good. Uh, so far, so good. Um, he looks like the real deal out there. And if he can stay healthy, I think he will be. Um, Rasmussen, you kind of mentioned him a little bit with, you know, being kind of like a sleeper that everybody was on for fantasy. Um, I I do think that that's the case, like with Rasmussen. You were talking about Rasmussen, not McClanahan, right? When you were talking about that? About dropping him in fantasy? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 because on the same team I have McClanahan, and he ain't going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, you can't drop McClanahan. I was going to say, I was going to say, which that's what I thought you were talking about. Um, I agree about 
dropping him anyways. This isn't a fantasy show, but um, no, man, I'm excited. You got you got Hendricks, you said, leading it off here. Let's see what he can do. Bounce back from that Pittsburgh series. Hey, throw some change-ups. Like, I understand that it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold in Chicago. Channel opening day. It was chilly in Chicago. Channel opening day. day. I love it's that. Be chilly tomorrow on Monday when the Cubs and Rays play. And you know what that means, too? You throw some more off-speed. Not that he doesn't always throw off-speed. He will. But I'm just saying you throw even more off-speed, a little bit more change-ups, kind of get back to that level of uh, what you were doing opening day necessarily now that the film is out on the Pittsburgh game. But you kind of throw a little bit more change-ups. Weak contact. Dude, they're going to have weak contact when it's cold, right? Like it's just yeah. it's bound to happen. So um, you can't really hit the ball as far when it's when it's cold. I want to see him dominate in this next start, fix what he – I mean, get some the command back. The command was a little bit off in that Pittsburgh uh, in that Pittsburgh game, and Pittsburgh has killed them over the last couple of years. Um, get some dubs. Win two out of three. Take care of freaking Pittsburgh this weekend, and let's freaking go. We got a home – this is a homestand we should take advantage of. Let's come out on top. Well, I don't want to lose more than two games out of this homestand. I like that. A five and two record would be sexy. You at least want to go four and three, though. Continue to stay above five hundred. That would give them two games above five hundred, uh, rolling into next week when they take on Atlanta. Then, if that is able to uphold, excuse me. And yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Like, just get wins. This Tampa team's a little beaten up right now. They're kind of in a transition phase for them, right? Like Austin Meadows was a key piece for them. He's gone. He's in Detroit now. You know, they're going through some new pitchers. Glasnow's hurt. Snell's not there anymore. They're trying to find that next wave of starters. Right now it is McClanahan. But really, if you look beyond that on the roster, there's a lot of question marks on that Tampa Bay roster. Luis Patino just, I think, got put on the 60-day IL uh, like a couple days ago. So that's arguably your number two pitcher already gone for the Rays. They have a lot of question marks on that starting staff. It's about the Cubs continue to do what they've done all season long, which is score runs early. I think they've scored a, a first inning run in almost every game so far this yeah. season. I think only in one that they didn't do that. Get on the Rays early because if you get on them early and then you just pitch well enough to keep their bats in check, especially like you said, when it's cold, they have a very good chance to at least take two of three against the, again, a very good Rays team that a lot of people expect to compete for the AL East this season. They might not win it, but they're at least going to be in the conversation come year's end. Now's the time you get those wins out of the way, and then you got four games at home against a Pittsburgh team that you should be in a four-game set. Maybe all of a sudden now, like you said, Joey, you are setting yourself up for five wins uh, here on the homestand. That would be huge coming out of it. And you have your top three pitchers as well against Tampa, which is always a huge plus, especially when you think then, okay, Pittsburgh, you're probably seeing Alec Mills and then Drew Smiley, who just dominated Pittsburgh effectively. In his hey, last yeah, I'll take that. You're setting up really well now with the rotation to continue to do good things. But like you said, need a rebound start out of Hendricks. You'll get the movement back with Stroman being back you know, at home and in Chicago. Uh, and Justin Steele just needs to keep looking like Justin Steele. Friend of the program is having a really outstanding start to his season so far. So I'm right there with you, man. Pitch well. Hopefully the bullpen shores it up a little bit. Certainly something that Ross is still figuring out with those middle guys. But you got Robertson at the back of the bullpen. Givens is right back there with him. Roberts overall has been very good, as has F. Ross. You have like three or four guys that you have some confidence in. They're still just trying to work through the other pieces there uh, in that bullpen. But Joey... I need a fly the W pick from you for this Tampa series. Who do you got before we go ahead and uh, exchange pleasantries before getting on here? Yeah, man, this is really tough. By the way, I want to point out, and uh, there was a tweet, I think, by Michael Cerami. Uh, I want to say that there was a tweet pointed out. The Cubs are leading the league in batting average. They are, 281 team just batting incredible average. and uh so you love to see that i just i it's it's important that people realize how well this team is actually hitting i think so and not that we haven't talked about it enough but i i think that that's definitely uh, worth noting there um mcclanahan being the lefty starting this thing off um makes me kind of want to go with a righty because i feel like you take this game one a right-handed hitter you take this game one you smack them in the mouth right off the bat smack him in the mouth. Just smack him in the mouth. Like, as Italian as it gets, Ron had his lasagna with ricotta cheese in it tonight. Um, 
Yeah, so we're going to get super Italian and just smack him in the mouth. Um, I don't even know if that's a thing, but I'm going to call it a thing. Uh, <laughs> right-handed hitter. That's where I was at. Right-handed hitter. Why don't we ride this wave with Wilson Contreras? Ooh, okay. I like that. I, like I know that he hasn't come through as much as we want him to with guys on base, but he's still hitting. He's still – he's got a hot bat right now. Like, he's either hitting a home run or he's hitting a double or something. He's smoking the ball uh, in most games. So, Willie the Beast, let's kick this thing off. That's my fly the W pick for, I guess, the series. Yeah, for the series, for the series. Right. And we might, we might still do a show during the series, ladies and gentlemen. We are kind of working out how we – do shows and when we'll do them and things like that uh we're at least aiming for twitter spaces things like that trying to try some new things out uh this year with cubs on tap uh but i like that pick i think willie's a good pick speaking of another righty our buddy scott crawford here oh yeah we didn't uh, mention the red, hot, the red hot doubles machine patty wise had a nice series in colorado this week. Very, he really nice. he needed that if nothing else for the mental uh, a lot of doubles hitting the ball hard if he can bring that back and apply that for the rest of the season, I think he's he's set for a rebound after his little bit of a slow start. And honestly, dude, like you, you mentioned the offense and, and, and picking guys here, and it's really easy to lean offense right now because if you look at outside of that Pittsburgh series where they only scored two runs in back-to-back games, uh, the Cubs haven't scored less than four runs in any of the other eight games that have been played this season or I'm sorry, seven games that have been played this season. That's pretty freaking good. Like, they've they've averaged over four runs a game all but two games of the season. That's incredible and very odd for this Cubs team. They, they scored at least five in every single one of those Rockies games. Despite Doesn't that – I, I want – you're going to give your father W pick. Doesn't that go back to what we talked about preseason where it was like maybe this team, they won't put up like the – they won't have those games. Gonna, yeah. Like fourteen runs or something like that, but like consistency of like three, four, five, five runs. Yeah, that's all we want. Yeah, very consistent. Sorry. Go ahead no. with your. Uh, and if you really think about it, they have three games this season that they scored over six runs. Yeah, they yeah. So they, they're they even out. Two. They're even out doing like what I was kind of uh, foreseeing there. Yeah, like or what we talked two. about. Two games in Colorado with six runs, and then he had nine against Milwaukee in game two of the season. So real good start offensively for the Cubs right now. And again, leading the league in batting average. Again, I know it's early. We know it's early. That's still something worth noting where people thought this team was going to come out of the gate and just fall flat on their face, and they have not by any means. Um, Fly the W pick. See, here's the thing is like (sighs) you're going to enjoy this pick. Big players make big plays in big games. The Tampa Bay Rays have been a very good organization for a very long time. They find ways to win out of nowhere, very unconventional. They're a moneyball team. We joke that the Dodgers have become what moneyball is with money, right? Like when you actually have money to support the moneyball theory, you get a team that can just continue to replicate talent, trade for talent. And when that talent gets too expensive, either they can move it or they can just develop a guy to replace them. Like they have options at every outlet. The Cubs are trying to get there, right? I think that's what the kind of the model is, right? This money ball model that eventually will hopefully have money behind it. Go take down the Goliath that has made this model work for so many years, even though they are one of the lowest payrolls year in and year out in baseball. Tampa is still a very respected team around the league, and everybody knows that if you disrespect them at all over the course of a season, they will bite you in the ass, and they will be in the hunt in the AL East at the end of the season. They might not win the division, but they'll at least be there. They'll at least be making noise. Go out this week and stick it to them, and you need your big guns in order to do that. If if this team has any chance of, of a sweep, I think they win two out of three. But if they want to go for the sweep and really put an exclamation point on this series against a very good Rays team, Seiya Suzuki needs to continue to ball. Out. Let's go. Let's and go. I'm going to ride. I'm going to ride the Seiya train this week. He's my fly the W pick for this Tampa series. Dude, come out and set the tone. Like if Seiya Suzuki, I need David Ross moving Seiya Suzuki up the lineup, especially for this series. He needs more at bats, especially when you know they have the chance to lock down in the bullpen like they do in Tampa. 
give Seah as many at-bats as humanly possible because you see it time and time again. The dude doesn't swing much because he reads the zone so well, but when he does swing, it usually results in really good shit. Give him every opportunity to succeed. If he's not hitting above four in the lineup for more than one game of this series, I will be slightly upset with David Ross. He needs to be up there making shit happen. Say a Suzuki is my fly the W pick before we get there. Joey, you got something to share real quick before we uh, start to sign off? Not much. I love the pick. I mean, if if I would have been upset if somebody, one of us did not pick Saya. And so I apologize that I could have just took him first pick. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> first, first pick, yeah. Um, like Juice said, if I got first pick, I'm taking Saya. You took Saya, and I'm so glad that you did, and I agree with you. You need the big guns. Dude, yeah. Why is there a reason? I love Ross. Like you said, though, is there a reason why he's not hitting at least fourth every day? Like, I, at least my, my hypothesis is, is that Ross is just trying to ease him in. And by hitting him lower in the lineup, maybe there's less pressure. That makes maybe sense. that's part of it. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's just trying to find where guys hit best. I think say as a guy where no matter where you put him in the lineup, he's going to hit. Oh, yeah. I think I think Ross knows that. I think he's trying to give some of these guys tryouts early in the season and kind of those th- two through five holes to find hey. who he can supplement there. And then I think eventually, I mean, say today, I think hit four. No, or at least he hit five today. He hit at least five. Okay, yeah. If he's at least hitting five, I, I can live with that. But he realistically should be hitting either three or four. At, at worst, he needs to be hitting five. So we'll we'll certainly see how that plays out over. And that's the thing too, Ron. Like I don't get me wrong, the production mostly throughout the lineup has been good. Like I I don't really I don't think we can really argue with too much of like the buttons that Ross is pushing. Like I know people want to complain about lineup all the time, and you see that even on the south side where you know our, our socks on tap guys who I'm not saying they are the guys that are doing it, but like people have issues, major issues with where Andrew Vaughn hits every day. It seems like I see that tweet out there from somebody every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't really want to be that guy that's like talking about like where he's sitting in the lineup. But at the end of the day, like you said, get this guy as many at bats as humanly possible. I'm not saying he has to hit lead off, but like third, fourth, like he just seems the ideal guy of that type of spot two, three, Absolutely. three four. And here's what, here's where I will quickly just tip my hat to what LaRusso is doing on the South side is he's hitting Tim Anderson, Luis Robert one and two. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got your spark plugs right at the top of the lineup. That's not a bad thing. That's really not a bad thing. If say continues to be a spark plug for this team and maybe a guy like honorable mention here for a fly, the W option is Jonathan VR who just continues to hit. If at some point the recipe maybe in the season to kickstart the offense if it goes cold is to bat VR and Suzuki one and two, you fucking do it. Explore with it. Ross has already shown he's willing to, you know, screw around with the lineup and do kind of weird shit. I mean, he's had wisdom hit as low as eighth, and he's had, you know, other guys hit in really weird spots. Maybe it's okay to to try and screw around. Nico Horner had a decent series. Maybe Nico gets a shot at up higher up in the lineup and Madrigal moves down at some point. Maybe those guys become interchangeable. Get creative, but like I I, I think there's going to come a time where if he's your best player and you need to ride that offensive production at some point, there is not a bad play with playing a guy at second. And honestly, kind of building off that, like Tyler says here, Nico being a spark plug in the nine hole isn't bad either. I agree it's because not. it kind of resets the lineup a little it bit. It resets the lineup. And again, that further plays the point of putting a guy like a VR and a Suzuki one and two, if those guys are really hitting well, and mm-hmm. you've got guys like Nico and, you know, I mean, I don't know if Schwindel ever hit eight, but. But you turned around for those lineup, uh, those, those RBI guys. Yeah. Even though they're like one or two hitters. They and you know, guys. and you know, who's a guy that if he's hitting eight, I'm kind of okay with right now. Cause he's hitting three thirty three. Jason Hayward. Let's talk about it. All right. Thank okay. you. Quickly. We, we got to quickly talk. Quickly. About I know we got to get out of here. I everybody all I've heard all fucking off season. Jason Hayward, designate for assignment. Jason Hayward, why is he in the lineup? I saw another tweet today, I think, before the game or was it yesterday before the game? J- things we hate to see. Jason Hayward in the lineup. It, it was a, one of my tweets. They respond were, were responding to one of my tweets and said, "Things we hate to see Jason Hayward in the lineup." Jason Hayward is actually hitting right now. He just hit two seasons ago in 2020. 
Uh, if we get this kind of production, like if he, like you said before the show, two seventy. If he hits like two seventy, and his defense, that's a productive player. I'm not going to sit here and like go over the top and be like, hey, Jason Hayward, you know, like God, he's living up to his contract now. He'll never live up to his contract completely. Like, yes, it was great. We know, we all know about the Game Seven, the World Series, 2016, the speech, all that. I understand. Don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but what I'm saying is he can still hit if if he figures it back. Like last season was kind of as bad as he's been. That was like the second or the worst season that he's been with the Cubs was last season. And he's not like super old. So, I mean, I don't want to just DFA the guy. Like uh, let's see what he can do a little bit. I, I agree. Um a 333 average of 400 on base. He's only slugging 444, but that's okay. You know the power isn't there like it used to be. Uh, in seven games and 18 at-bats, three runs scored, six total hits, one of which was a triple. Only one RBI, but he's not really hitting at RBI spots. He's taken two walks. Yeah, he struck out five times, but if he's giving you that with that defense and with the leadership right. for this young, new team that they kind of have that's together. The that's the key. And here's another key that I think a lot of people forget about. And I hope that I hope Brian clips this. And this is my little my little shots out to him to clip because I want to repost this for people to hear so it rings through their ears at night when they go to bed. Having a guy like Jason Hayward, who is very close to Ross when they were players and can convey Ross's message and and really kick that through a lot of new ears in this Cubs locker room. And with guys like Brennan Davis on the horizon that are your next stars who need a good mentor and a consummate professional like a Jason Hayward, if this guy can even remotely give you some type of value with the bat, maybe he's not your everyday right fielder or even center fielder because he's really just playing center now. Say I's got right locked down. Even if he's not your everyday center fielder and you're giving guys like Hermosillo and Clint Frazier and Ian Happ looks at that position, he is absolutely worth for what this team is right now, what he's being paid because a, they can afford to pay him what he's being paid and B he's going to instill things in this Cubs lineup for the future. Look at the Dodgers. They have a culture there. There's a reason that system works. The Cubs need to do the exact same thing. And if Jason Hayward is the $25 million a year albatross on the books to help start kickstart that culture, he is absolutely worth the money right now. And and if he's going to get hit you 333 average and he's going to do 400 on base, I don't expect that to consist over a whole season. But even at, like you said, 270 and like a 380 on base at this point with him, I'll take. I will absolutely take. I'll take the leadership. I'll take the glove. Yes, center field, he's not as effective as right, whatever. But that is a guy who also is teaching Seah how to play right field at Wrigley Field, which is yep. not easy. Jason Hayward has a lot more value than people give him credit for. I know they're going to continue to yell and bitch and moan because they're ignorant fans sometimes, and they're just going to say DFA him. But look beyond the box score, folks. Joey does beyond the box score recaps of the Cubs series all the freaking time. The reason is, is because baseball is more than the numbers show. Every sport is. Get your head out of your ass and see that Jason Hayward has some value. I will thank you for attending my TED Talk. Uh, on why Jason Hayward provides value. I love he it. He does, but he does. He's a guy that provides value right now for where this team is. In the, look at it in the silo, in the vacuum of what this team is, the 2022 Cubs in fucking halfway through April. Jason Hayward provides value to this team. And I will say the counter to that is I, I just want to, I want to touch on what people are talking about and what they think, right? And what I think that people are thinking when they say he doesn't have value and he needs to be DFA'd, they think, let's get a look at these other guys, right? They think, let's get a look at, like, more regular looks at Frazier. Uh, let's get Brandon Davis called up. Let's get more looks at Hermosillo. Let's get more looks at the, – the, the list goes on and on. Nelson Velasquez, whoever you want to look at. I totally understand that, but – Look at like listen to like what you were saying, and then let's think about what KB said in one of his uh, interviews this weekend before the Cubs played the Rockies. What did he say? He talked about those guys that were like big impacts on him uh, coming up. He talked about Lackey, yep. Lester, like yep. guys like that. And I know they were still like 
pretty solid and competing and still, uh, you know, like they're in their prime, especially Lester. Um, but there's a place for that, especially with this team. Like you said, there's no reason why they can afford to hang on to this guy. There's no reason why they don't until they are ready to truly, truly, like, let's get over the top. Let's win a World Series. And then it's like, okay, maybe we got DFA Jason Hayward. But at this moment in time, he, 100% Ron, he's valuable. He is valuable for these youngsters. He's valuable. He shows value. He's going to, again, he's going to help instill that culture that the Cubs were still competitive and fun to watch down the stretch last year, even though they were a shell of what they were on opening day in 2021. Jason Hayward sees that. He's a consummate professional. He's a guy that nobody hates the the person. Everybody hates the contract. Let's be completely honest with ourselves. And that's why people, they don't want to see anything other than what they feel. Yep. And what they feel is the contract has not been worth it. I totally sure. get it. But when you look and you say, hey, if like, the, let's take a, take a step back and look at the numbers that you told us before you went on, you know, your whole like value spiel, which mm -hmm. I to completely agree with. When you look at that, when you take a look and just look at the numbers, is he being productive this season? Yes. The answer is yes. Yes. So you can't just DFA a guy that no. is being productive because that would he's be not, He's not hitting 150-something. Rafael Cortega is only hitting 150-something. He's hitting 333. Like, yes, it's not sexy the way he's getting the 333 and a 400 on base, but he's doing it. And that's all I give a shit about. I don't care if right. it's pretty as long as it's effective. Soft contact, yeah, fine. It's, it's working. Fuck. Yep, it works. And um, one last very quick thought before we wrap this thing up. Quick fire answer from our buddy Scott here in the comments. Odds on seeing a Killian start Thursday or Friday in Chicago. I say uh, pretty close to zero. Um, they're not going to rush him. There's no need to rush him. There's no need to rush anybody right now, especially because they're playing well. They, they aren't going to have to rush guys. Trust me, I would love to see Killian as soon as possible in Chicago. But if it's not needed, uh, I don't I don't think it's going to happen. And I think you agree with that, Joey. So um, probably nothing, but it's a fun thought. It'll be, it'll happen eventually, folks. It'll happen this season. I think we see Caleb Killian before the end of the year. It's just it'll it'll be a little while. Let the war, let the weather warm up in Chicago before we start talking about Caleb Killian starting games uh, on the north side at uh, at Clark and Addison. I agree, Ron. Yeah, he's not coming up anytime soon. But it's I love the thought that like there's already excitement there too. Like what Scott's saying, hey, like, getting excited about him is cool. I, it's I, it's good to be excited about the future with the Scubs team. They're playing they're playing above 500 ball through almost 10 games of the season, and we're looking forward to guys that are going to be coming up. That's a nice recipe that this team uh, I don't think has had at any point in my fandom. I can't remember this because at least because even when they had the excitement of the prospects, they weren't playing good baseball. They were not playing good baseball. You had Javi Bias come up when they were literally playing. I don't remember what their record was going into. Like, they were when, bad. They were in bad. That they season, were bad. Let's be honest. They were fucking horrible. Bad. Wasn't that a Mike? Quad or no, that was the uh, that was the lone uh, our, our homeboy uh, Ricky's boys don't quit. That was, that was Ricky Renteria's loan season. boys. Yeah, wait. Yeah, it was. 2014. Loan season. I was thinking Ricky Gale Swain, it was definitely Renteria, and then they got Renteria. rid of him. Yeah, and then they canned his ass for Joe Madden. Yeah. Uh, and oddly enough, uh, they were playing when Baez got called up. It was the Rockies. as a series we were it talking was. about. Yes, so, it was. Just and a he little. hit a home run. Yeah. Yeah, so. one oppo. Say oh, a Suzuki. Let's go. <laughs> Just tie it all together. Just tie, tie it all, all together. Say I look sick. But, Joey, before we quickly get out of here, as we approach the hour mark, I do want to remind everybody, Cubs on Tap is the official Cubs podcast of the On Tap Sports Network. You can check out all of our great work over at www.ontapsportsnet.com and at On Tap Sportsnet on social media. If you follow the pod-specific account, we are at Cubbies on Tap. That's C-U-B-B-I-E-S. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Loose on Tap. Joey is at Joey Knows Nothing, and it ends in I-N because that stands for Win Baby. You can also follow Juice at Juice on Tap, Joe at Joe on Tap, uh, and all of other great contributors for Cubs coverage here. Tyler, uh, Brandon Kane, uh, among just a few that help out on the Cubs side of the house. Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, we got it all. And yes, Cubs fans, we all have a friend that roots for the Southsiders. Our Socks on Tap crew does a great job covering those guys as well. So be sure 
to check out all of that great coverage. We have golf coverage. We have bets coverage. Joey, you are on an absolute heater with your pick of the days. And if people aren't seeing those, uh, be sure to follow Joey. Be sure to shout. Be be sure to follow on tap bets, but also be sure to follow our TikTok account as well for on tap Sportsnet uh, as Joey posts his bets and picks of the day every single day over there as well. Uh, so we encourage you to make sure you're following along there. Like we said, folks, you name it, we've got it. The ONTAP Sports Network, go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Joey, it's always a pleasure, my friend. The Cubs split with the Rockies. We got three games coming up against the Rays and then another four against Pittsburgh. A week at home for the Cubs before they venture out on the road again. But we'll be with you before that time comes, and we'll talk to you very soon. What do you say, Joey? We get out of here the only way we know how to at Cubs on tap. Let's go, Cubs. Go, Cubs.